What does it mean to leave a legacy? Is legacy about being remembered? Resources? Influence? A name? What if our legacy was a legacy of hope? What if we took actions to set hope in motion that would live beyond ourselves? Hope for families. Hope to the hopeless. Hope for our communities. Hope for those who have never heard about the hope of Jesus. What would it mean to leave a legacy of hope? Welcome, everybody, to this very special weekend. We are going to be talking about a legacy of hope. And I'm inviting you to join me and others in making sure that Wooddale Church leaves a legacy of hope. That is, that the generations to come will follow in the footpaths that we've been following in for generations to make sure that people encounter and experience the hope that only Jesus can bring here, near, and far. You know, our church has a mission. That is, we have stated why we believe God has called us together, and it's based on Scripture. If you'd be comfortable saying it with me, whether you're by yourself in your apartment or you're at one of our campuses or venues, I'd appreciate you doing that, all right? So here it is. Our mission statement, let's say it, is to honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ. Simple, right? And we want you to be a part of that. Now, if we take our mission seriously to honor God by making more disciples, then the question becomes, what is our vision? And our vision is simply the answer to the question, what happens when we go about our mission in a measurable time frame? So for the next three years, we're going to be talking about a new vision. But I remind you of the vision that we are just completing, that we began in 2015, a seven-year vision. Let's say it together. Ready? It is to share the hope of the gospel with one million people here, near, and far, and to create a clear pathway for spiritual maturity or towards spiritual maturity. And that's what we've been about the last seven years. And as we move forward, we want to take that vision now and we want to ask God, how do you want us to be more intentional with that vision, God? Where do you want us to spend time and energy and sacrifice and resources that you have blessed us with? So let me tell you what God has accomplished thus far. Because you have been willing to make those sacrifices, we have been able to plant over 13,000 churches. That is amazing, and we praise God for that. We've also been able to help 1,900 widows, orphans, and girls caught in sex trafficking. That is amazing, and the blessing of God as well. In addition, we have seen 230,000 people accept Christ and about 40,000 who have been baptized and over 1.6 million people worldwide, here, near, and far, that have had at least an opportunity to hear the gospel, whether they've responded to it or not. Also, we've had the joy of establishing two more campuses, and we've been able to retire the debt completely. We are debt-free. Now, what happens these next three years is what I want to unpack and share with you. And why we're calling it a legacy of hope is really important to grasp. It's based on a couple of verses. 
For instance, in Judges, it says this. It says, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord, remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. That is tragic. When they came in the promised land, it's like they forgot about God. They forgot about why they existed, and they just focused on themselves. And their children grew up and did not know the hardships that the parents and grandparents had generations before had gone through. They didn't know about God's promises and God's word. They didn't know about the fact that God was going to use Israel to bless all the nations. It was tragic because they didn't pass on the legacy. I want to make sure that doesn't happen to this church. I don't want us to become so self-focused, so self-satisfied that we forget why we exist. And this is why I love the passage in Psalm that goes like this. Psalm 145 says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They break, they, they speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. I want that to be you and me. I want us to be a church that not only passes on what God has given to us, but rejoices in what God has given to us. So that there's this expectation that there's always hope coming from this body of believers. And that hope spreads not only here, but near and far away as well. One of my favorite pictures of Wooddale Church is from 1949. You see all those people? They are the ones who began what we think of as Wooddale Church. Those are the people who seeded the gospel so that it would not only spread throughout Minnesota, but regionally and around the world. Those are the people who didn't think about themselves alone, but believed in a future for this church and generations to come. And my, how God was faithful to them and the generations to come, and he's been so faithful to you and me. So will you join me? Will you help me make sure that there is a legacy of hope here, near, and far? What does that look like? How does it happen? This is the exciting part. And to help me share that with you, I've asked three of our pastors to join me. So please welcome them as they come out. Gentlemen, I have next to me Pastor Ken, who oversees our... Next Gen and Family Ministries. All right. Yep. That's a small little task, right? Small task. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> and Pastor Kyle, you are our executive uh, pastor uh, for Wooddale Church, really overseeing a lot of our campuses, and uh, it's a huge responsibility. Um, are you enjoying it? I, I am. Yeah, I, I have a great team. Um, and, uh, you know, these guys are just uh, awesome to work with. Yep. And, uh yeah, God's been doing some really great things in and through the ministries here yeah. at Wooddale Church. So. And Pastor Trent, our pastor at Loring Park, and uh, man, you have done such a great job in a very difficult situation. And uh, are things going well these days at Loring Park? Things are going well. You know, there's there's never a day that passes that isn't an opportunity that uh, God uses us to step into to introduce people to Jesus or he's doing a work in, yeah. uh, in Loring Park. So it's great to be part of this team. Yeah, you told me about a guy you've been discipling, uh, start discipling informally another guy brought him to the campus and that guy you led him to faith in christ today yeah this is just like yeah i mean praise god for that and yeah. it's a normal experience yeah. that we have of people just coming to surrender their life yeah. to the lord and find hope in christ so well, that is yeah, so praise exciting god. well kyle uh 
you know, how are we going to get this hope of the gospel here near and far? What's, what's the plan? Yeah, I mean, the, the call, Dale, to the next generation is so significant. You know, I, I think that photo you just showed of 1949, the courage that those people had. Uh, I was looking at that photo. Like it, it took a lot of courage to stand on those planks over yeah. that pit, you know. <laughs> but uh, the courage they had to step out in faith and reach the next generation. Um, and can that same call to reach the next generation, how can we be courageous in our generation is something that we've been talking a lot about, we've been praying through. Um, how, how are we going to do this? Yeah, this is kind of fun. The Lord has put us in some areas of the Twin Cities that I, I want to take a look at here. If you look at a four-mile radius around our Eden Prairie campus and a four-mile radius around our Edina campus, and because the population concentration is higher. If you just took one mile around Loring Park and one mile around our West Bank campus, you would discover, believe it or not, you would discover 300,000 households within arm's reach of our campuses, 300,000 households. And what we know among those 300,000 households is that there are an increasing number of people who are suffering with, with huge issues of anxiety, with mental health issues with racial tensions and job insecurities and we know that parents are really concerned about the future of their kids and and we know that sadly a lot of marriages are in crisis that's right yeah so kind yeah. of I mean it's not just those numbers, right? 300,000. And, and, you know, how can we go reach them? And you and I have been talking, hey, what would it look like to reach 30,000 of those households in the next decade, you know, here at Wooddale Church? But I think the thing that's really captured our hearts, and I know the hearts of our leaders, is imagining what's happening in the homes. Uh, it, these aren't just statistics. So, you know, I, in your mind's eye, would you just walk down a neighborhood here in the Twin Cities with us? And can you just, can you picture those homes, home after home after home that you see on the sidewalk as you're walking down? What's happening inside of those homes? You know, increasingly, uh, those homes are homes that do not have faith and they do not have hope. Yeah. You know, what, what would happen if you come home from a hard day and there's no praise worship and no, no songs, no hymns to maybe put on the radio and listen to or, or, or on, on, on Spotify and listen to? Uh, you have no scripture to read. You have no prayers to offer. You have no eternal perspective, no hope. I mean, guys, that's a tough environment. And more and more, that's many of the homes that are right around our campuses. And so, you know, Ken, we're just, we're not satisfied with that. We have the hope of Jesus. So we're going to create this opportunity to go share that hope with people. And, and how are we going to do that? Yeah, I think a lot of people don't know that the church exists in order to share hope. Yeah. And church for many people is becoming more and more of a foreign idea. And so coming into the doors of a church building for a lot of those 300,000 households is going to be quite a step. So we want to take the initiative to go reach them and share the good news of the gospel. Gospel literally means good news. Jesus came so that we might have life and have life abundantly. Yeah. And we know that a lot of these families are suffering with bad news. They're inundated with it. But, but we have something to offer. So we're going to do something about this. And our goal is to bless the communities around our campuses, the households around our campuses. And so we're, we're doing something that, that's 
coalescing into a thing that we're calling the Family Resource Initiative. And I'm kind of excited about this. Yeah, we're very excited about it. And I love the word initiative. Uh, At one point, Dale, we were talking about center and you really challenged us to say, no, no, it has to be more action. It's not, it's not come here, it's go to. And and so that's it. We're going to bring hope to these people. So specifically, Ken, what is the Family Resource Initiative going to do? Well, we can't do everything right away, but we're going to take some deliberate steps to do some things that really matter. So uh, we're going to form some parent and grandparent support cohorts, some support groups that are even in neighborhoods and and working around issues that parents and grandparents might be having with with their kids. We want to provide some mental health support. So working with a lot of our counselors that we partner with, we want to provide that for families. We Which want, is so important yeah. because you can't even get access to, to see no, counselors and therapists right. right now. I mean, it's it's multiple weeks to wait. Right. So yeah. what if we had people, counselors, ready to respond to families in need and we could just, we could just orchestrate it? That would be amazing. Uh, we want to provide some mentoring and tutoring for the next generation. We want to... Uh, you know, we really want to focus on some things to build up marriages. If marriages are in crisis, families and households and whole cities are in crisis. So we want we want to strengthen what we're doing for families, both before weddings and long after weddings. So I would love to introduce you to a couple that's in our church already named Steve and Bethany. And they've been a part of a ministry called Re-Engage. And this is a marriage restoration ministry. Their story is pretty cool. So check this out. Hi, my name's Steve. This is my wife, Bethany. And we would like to share a little bit about our story with you. So Steve and I have been married for six years, and in those six years, we have experienced um, the worse of the better for worse. We experienced the poorer of the richer or poorer, and we also experienced uh, the sickness of in sickness and in health. And we were in a bad spot, and we found a marriage program called Reengage. To say that our marriage was in crisis would be an understatement. Mm-hmm. We were to the point where I had actually asked God to release me from our marriage. God answered me back and said no. God required that I look in the mirror, and God required that I be accountable for myself and for my wife in my marriage. So we went through that program called Reengage, and at the end, um, we walked out a married couple. We walked into individuals, but walked out as a married couple. And, um, we know how to do church. Yeah, we, uh, we know what we're doing than looking for help in a church. And if we hadn't found, if I hadn't found that resilient hope um, from the Holy Spirit and from God, we wouldn't be sitting here today. So it makes us wonder, what do couples do who don't have that hope? Guys, that that question that Bethany gives to us is really the driving factor here with this Family Resource Initiative, uh, because there are so many people that don't know that there's hope available, and so we're going to go bring hope to them, and we're just thrilled about this Family Resource Initiative. All right, Ken, in addition to some of these ministries that we've talked about with this initiative, we're also going to do some updates to our physical campus for Next Gen and Family Ministry. 
Yeah, we're going to upgrade our fifth and sixth grade room. We're going to build out an office area for our family resource initiative um, and, and so that we can plan and orchestrate all of that. We're also, this is kind of fun, you know, we want to provide more space at our campuses and enhance space for families and next gen. One of the things we're going to do at our Eden Prairie campus is convert some of our existing outdoor space into a gathering and play area. Uh, we're going to build out a small field. And this is kind of fun. We're going to hopefully add a pickleball court and a basketball right. court. Yeah. Our goal is that the generations. Wrong, yeah, you guys yeah. are into that. That's great. Yeah, as a city dweller, can can we come use the lawn space? Oh, that, yeah, is a, that is a hot commodity downtown. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Our goal is to provide space for the generations to play together, to learn and gather together. This is going to be pretty cool. And then we have a great academy, a preschool academy at our Eden Prairie and our Edina campuses. One of the things we want to do for the youngest of our congregation is to take some of our wooded property and put in a trail with some signage and learning stations. And we want to develop a nature center curriculum. This is kind of cutting edge and innovative for our academy so that we can introduce our children to the amazing creation that God has made. Now, it's almost like a mini arboretum yeah. of sorts yeah, that will be, be here really at the campus. We're thrilled. Ken, how does all of this come together to help us build up a resilient generation? Well, all these households, we were talking about these 300,000 households, we want them to not just hear the good news, we want them to experience it. We want them to be immersed in it. We want them to be invited in and be connected to the good news of Jesus. And so when 300,000 households hear the name of Wooddale Church, we want them to think that's a community that blesses families in the name of Jesus. Yeah, that's a great, that's a really aspirational goal yeah. for, for us to chase down. And Dale, I know that's been um, just such uh, strong leadership from you to say, you know, the church needs to not be inward focused, but outward focused. And you've done just such a great job in instilling that in us. And uh, I know that, that your heart is to see other churches continue to have that same heartbeat but we know one of the challenges for building up resiliency in church leadership is there's just not enough leaders right now in the church. Yeah, it's, it is a crisis. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, you know, we're blessed as a church to have great leaders and, and have had a legacy of great leaders. Um, but what's happening in, in church world right now is you have pastors like my age uh, who are just kind of sitting in there waiting for retirement, minding their own business. And then when they retire or um, are asked to move on uh, because the church is in decline. Um, there's not much to pick from uh, because there are fewer and fewer people going into ministry uh, for lots of reasons, and and therefore the church suffers. So Wooddale's always been about uh, making sure that we raise up leaders and make them available to either go lead other churches or uh, to serve within our church. Um, and I, I know. Uh, Kyle, you and, and Trent are great examples of growing up in this church. And well, I guess you were here a little bit later, but uh, Kyle, you know, this has been part of your life. And yeah. now look what God's got you guys doing. So that's exciting. And, uh, you know, one of these days, Ken, you'll, you'll figure it out and, you know, you'll raise a bunch of kids and no, I'm just kidding. All right. So uh, my whole point in all of this is that um, our internship program, 
uh, over the years. And then uh, we want to re-engage that. So tell us about that, Kyle. That's right. Yeah. So we're looking forward uh, launching an internship program as part of this Legacy of Hope. Uh, eight to 10 interns a year will invite here to become uh, temporary staff members at Wooddale Church. So it'll be a paid internship program. In addition to actually doing ministry, they'll be assigned to a pastor and they'll, they'll have hands-on experience for ministry and see what a church is actually like and how to operate a healthy church. Uh, they also will receive development. So we'll pour into them. Uh, this will be part of Wooddale Advance, part of our commitment to develop new leaders for churches. And then uh, here's the exciting part. Many of them will be deployed to other churches uh, around this nation to help uh, strengthen future church leaders. And we'll probably we'll probably hang on to a few uh, of the interns as well. So. Yeah, yeah I, I really sincerely wish there had been churches like that when I was first getting into ministry. Right. It would help me a ton. Uh, it's just not fun to learn it the hard way and just be thrown in the deep end of the pool. Yeah. So I'm glad we're doing that. So we've talked quite a bit about here. Uh, the question I have is, what are we going to do near? What's yeah. going to happen? Well, by God's grace, we're going to keep going with uh, expanding to, to new places and, and more opportunities. And, uh, you know, Trent, you and I have been on this journey of kind of what God's been doing here at Wooddale through multi-site uh, for uh, a long time, when I was the campus pastor at Edina, you and Lindsay were part of our lay leadership team and really helped us figure out, well, how do we do this thing at Edina? And uh, now Pastor Derek is over there, and uh, we're excited about the future at Edina. Uh, you're now, and you went to plant at Loring Park, uh, and you're now providing leadership and oversight for our entire strategy of multi-site. So for those that maybe aren't as familiar with all that we do, uh, catch, catch us up here. Yeah, it's a great question. And, and really, I kind of feel like I've just received the proverbial baton from the generations past of, of Wooddale because it's always been at the heartbeat of our church and the value of our church to be a church that plants more churches and makes more disciples that make disciples, just like you were talking about in our mission and vision, Dale. You know, that's, that's who we are as a, as a church. When I was growing up here in the, the 1990s, we planted nine daughter churches, all of which are still in existence today, and many of them have gone on to plant more churches. And I don't know if you know this, but Wooddale is a great-grandparent just because we've planted a church and there's that many generations that the churches have multiplied beyond that. So that's, that's exciting. And over these recent years, we've become a multi-site church, which simply means we're one church that meets in multiple locations. So there's a, there's a church at Edina that's meeting there right now. There's one at Loring Park at the Music Box Theater. There's one at the West Bank uh, at the University of Minnesota. And that has just allowed us a very agile and innovative way to continue planting churches that multiply and make disciples. Yeah, and our, our approach to, to multi-site is fairly innovative. I mean, it, it's kind of outside the box. So what makes it a little unique here at Wooddale? Yeah, well, we never know exactly where we're going. We can have hopes and dreams, but we really want to be open-handed to where the Lord and his spirit are going to direct and, and call us. So we do this thing that we call contextualized ministry, which is a big word that affirms a belief that we have that the local church should be local. That means that the way that we do it, all the how questions that we answer for ministry are going to be a lot directed by the community that we plant the church in. So it should look, it should feel, it should sound like the places that we're going to plant. So take the West Bank campus, for instance. That's at the University of Minnesota. It's inside Seven Corners Coffee, a business that we started because there was a real need in the community for an espresso bar where teachers and students and residents could go and just gather because there wasn't a cafe in the local area. Now, that's also a way that we're doing ministry and making disciples. So, for instance, I just talked with Pastor Luke, who said he was serving people their drinks across the espresso bar, and he struck up a conversation, and he was able to share his testimony on how he met 
Jesus. And then he shared the gospel with them. And he was able to ask them, what's your story? And what do you believe about God? All in a very natural way on campus and making those relationships. Did you know every month we have 5,000 opportunities to do that? Because that's how many cups of coffee are being sold in those transactions that we're having over (laughs) at the West Bank. So it's innovative, but it's all back to our core value of making disciples who make disciples. Or you think about the Music Box Theater where I get to lead. You know, we also use that theater as an outreach to schools, uh, to artists, so we can hold different productions there. And it's all a way that we'll build relationships and just be in the community and for the community. Yeah, and, and God has just been doing some great things with this trend. And I think it'd be easy for people to hear that and think, oh, wow, you know, it's just the wisdom of, of, uh, of the leaders and this is their strategy. We fell into this. Like, right. like the God is the one who's been driving this whole thing Absolutely. and we've just been trying to keep up. And the whole journey of multi-site, we kind of fell into uh, or, or God called us into uh, because it, it all goes back to 2007. There was a, a church, a Colony Park, that was closing, and they called Wooddale and said, we believe that there needs to be a gospel presence in this neighborhood in Edina. Uh, would, you, would you give, you know, would you take this building? And it does need some repairs and updates. Mm-hmm. And the amount of money that was needed was about the amount of money that we at the time at Wooddale had set aside in a fund called opportunities from God. And uh, just in case like we we didn't quite get it, uh, this property is located on Wooddale Avenue in Edina, right? (laughs) So it was like very obvious God is calling us to this. And so that became our Edina campus. That's what led us into the the multi-site journey. And Trent, you and I know this, every story, Loring Park, West Bank campus at Seven Corners, there's a similar God story behind it. And so as we are preparing to go forward into what's next, we believe it's time to yet again have an opportunity from God. That's right. And so what we believe God's really placed on our hearts is we want to set aside a, a significant sum of resources to be ready to respond yes when God says go. We don't know exactly where that's going to be yet. It could be another location of Seven Corners Coffee. It could be in a location where a lot of people are joining us online right now and want to start gathering in person. We don't know exactly where. We have some hunches or some things we're looking into, but we just want to be ready to respond. That's a core value of our church. And it's really putting our money where our faith is, Mm -hmm. as we've been talking about. We want to be ready to go and do that. Now, another thing we've been looking into, because as all the data shows, more churches are closing than are being planted, Mm -hmm. is we as a church, we want to leave a legacy of planting, growing churches. And that means we actually have to accelerate our pace. And so we've been piloting this new idea called micro churches that we really want to start investing in through Legacy of Hope. Yeah, so that's probably a new term for people. So micro, small, right? Small, small churches. Uh, so what what does that mean? What yeah, is that? great question. It's a new term, but essentially all it is, is it takes the foundational aspects of a local church and it makes them even easier to adopt and to train and then to multiply and reproduce into others. They're all focused on making disciples of people who do not know Jesus yet, and they can happen anywhere. They can happen in a coffee shop. They can happen at your gym. They can happen at your office space or in a home uh, in your neighborhood or right in right in your living room. You know, these micro churches, all it takes is an equipped and a trained leader that goes through about an eight to 12 month program of they learn how to really make a disciple who makes more disciples and how to plant these micro churches. And then it just takes a mission field wherever you are where people don't know Jesus yet. Yeah. So that's what's exciting for us. So, so Trent, I, I'm imagining people are hearing this and they're thinking, okay, okay that, sounds pretty, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, so how this works is there's this training center. We pour into these people and then they go to their neighborhood or you know wherever, really. There's a group of unbelievers. They build relationships with them. 
and then they start sharing the gospel, right? That's they right. read scripture and do this. So uh, walk us through what's the potential impact that something like this could have here in the Twin Cities? Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers are huge, and I'm going to share that in just a bit because of the power of multiplication. But the impact is transformed lives. It's helping people know Jesus, to know his word, and then to follow him and live on mission for him. So I actually had one of our uh, camera crews go and actually follow somebody into one of these microchurches because we've been piloting this at Wooddale over the past eight months. And the people who've gone through it have actually planted five microchurches that actively meet right now in the Twin Cities. And so I want you to hear Jesse's story of the way this training center has equipped him and then what God is doing in this microchurch. Check it out. Hi, my name is Jesse, and I lead a microchurch in the Loring Park neighborhood. A while ago, the Lord put a burden on my heart for discipleship. When the burden came, I didn't really know where to start or what to do or kind of the process behind discipleship. And it was quickly after that, there was actually an opportunity with Wooddale to be a part of one of their training centers um, that I was invited to, which helps Christians become more effective disciple makers. In obedience and excitement, I said yes to the Lord's leading of this opportunity to be a part of the training center. Shortly after the training center, I had an amazing opportunity to be in a discipleship relationship with a neighbor named Rashan. We started meeting weekly, and then soon after that, some of his other neighbors decided they wanted to meet as well. So now we're meeting every Tuesday evening and in in reading the word and, and having fellowship. What we do here, it, it's gonna echo in eternity, whether we wanna remember that or not, you know? Even, even when we don't seem like it's, it's that big of a deal or it's, you know, yeah, you know, I, I was still a follower of Christ, but I wasn't living the life that he instructs me to live now. And, uh, you know, um, through the grace of God, I'm, I'm living it a lot better now, one day at a time. By God's grace, we have a growing micro church in the Loring Park neighborhood, and I am just so thankful that I took the opportunity to respond to the burden that the Lord put in my heart, and it is such a thrill to be a part of what the Lord is doing in this neighborhood. Trent, super helpful, I think, to get that, that image. It's like clicking for us, right? So, uh, all right, so what, what could God do if this thing really starts to take off? Yeah, you know, what we're praying for, even if, after what we've seen over this first training center that we have at, at Wooddale, is over the next three years, conservatively, we could have 25 of these wow. across the Twin Cities that represent probably 200-plus people who have been reached for the gospel and then are gathering within these small microchurches. And what gets really fun is the multiplying power of this. So if you just let yourself dream over the next decade, this could conservatively be hundreds of microchurches that can change the landscape and the trajectory of our, our state in the Midwest yeah. and having a thousand plus people who are following Jesus and meeting in these churches. It, it's incredible what God could do with this. Yeah, that is so exciting to think, not just here in the Twin Cities, but statewide and, and regionally as well. Yeah. Uh, all right, Trent, if uh, someone's hearing this and they're thinking, okay, I know people who are in my life that will probably uh, never come to church, but they may be open to spiritual conversations and they're feeling that stir like, hey, I, I might want to be part of this, this microchurch movement. 
What's their next step? I love that. Because first of all, if you're feeling stirred by that, I'm just going to encourage you, trust in what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart because God would want to do something in you to go make more disciples. So that's exciting. And we're ready for you. So at the end of February, we're going to have a number of info sessions where you can come to learn more about what this training center looks like, how you can be a part of it, and what God might have for you. You're not committing to anything just by coming, but I encourage you to come check it out. We have options in person and then on Zoom as well. And I will be at one of those training centers. I've already committed to you that uh, you and Luke have been telling me about what God's been doing. And I said, guys, I want to be part of this. I, I can't just hear about it. I want to, I want to be in. So uh, I'll be at one of those training sessions. I love it, Kyle. To, to I'm excited more. for you. So yeah. And uh, so much, Trent, of, of what's happening in those training centers. Dale, that's, that's the same methodology that we're seeing with this multiplying church movement far. And uh, that's part of, of this, this vision as well. Yeah, in fact, it's, it's actually growing out of um, what we've seen God do overseas. And there's a real movement now amongst some of the churches who participate with TTI to say, what can we do here in the United States? Mm-hmm. And I know in Alabama, and I think it's New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, they're really multiplying quickly, mm-hmm. like hundreds of churches. So uh, we want to be in on what God wants to do here in the Twin Cities as well. Yeah. But uh, speaking of the FAR piece, um, I had a chance a couple of years ago to attend a very important TTI conference. And they were talking about how there are 300,000 villages, uh, which was so interesting because it, when we looked around our campuses, we saw 300,000 people, right? Uh, there are 300,000 villages in two countries in Asia that uh, do not uh, have the gospel at all. And so TTI has decided uh, that they're going to tackle those 300,000 villages. And our hope is to see uh, in the next 10 or 12 years, uh, all the villages have at least one church. So when I heard that, it really touched my heart. And I thought to myself, God, what could we do as uh, Wooddale Church to help with that? And so God's really placed on my heart a sense of a tithe, that is 10%. Could we own, seeing God by 2032, plant uh, these churches? of 10, uh, 30,000 churches in those two countries, 30,000 churches. And of course, how do you eat an elephant? They say a piece at a time. So we, <laughs> we just want to say, God, these first three years, how many? God, the next four years, how many? God, the last three years, how many? And trust that the Lord will maybe even exceed that. That would be very, very exciting. And, uh, you know, it's $400 a church to, to plant a church. And we're not paying salaries. We are, we are actually paying for the materials that are being taught. And there's huge accountability. So we can track down each church, make sure it's viable and that it's going. And uh, nearly 100%, I think it's 97% of what we give uh, goes directly to the materials, the conferences that I go to and teach, um, and very little to help out the administration of all that. So it is a high-end return uh, investment. But I want, I want people to know that um, it's, it's not just about numbers. Every number represents a soul, a life that's being changed. And since we're already in these two Asian countries, I want to tell a story about somebody's life that's been transformed. And uh, this is because of Wooddale, meaning it's because we are sending the funds to train the, the church that's, and, the, and the person who's doing this. So it starts with this beautiful uh, picture of um, two ladies together. And I'm really talking about uh, the one in the red and then the one next to her will come in in just a few minutes. But uh, her name is Akriti, and Akriti was born into a Buddhist family. And unfortunately, because of economic pressures, her parents sold her uh, at the age of 12 to a Buddhist priest. 
uh, and by 15, she had her first baby. So imagine you've got a, a teenage girl who's now raising a child. Uh, he was abusive to her, and about age 18, he brought her back to her parents and said, I don't, I don't want her anymore. And so um, they got her some employment uh, working as a servant in, in a home, and a, a family could afford to pay somebody like that. Um, and during that time, she was just filled with despair and depression and discouragement to the point that she thought about taking her life. Uh, but she was too afraid to do that. Finally, she was sent home. And uh, what happened next is the parents sold her to an elderly man in another village. So now she finds herself in a new village, uh, you know, trying to be a mom, uh, being abused by this man, and, and just despairing of life. Talk about hopeless. But into that village came the lady you see sitting next to her. Uh, she was undergoing the formal training that we provide and uh, went to this village to see if there are any people of peace, many people who might be open and responsive to her as she shares the gospel. And guess who invites her in? Akriti does. And Akriti hears about this man who died for her life. He gave his life for her life, and it just transformed her. And if you see the picture, you can't help but notice uh, there's such a smile on their faces, and there's such a sense of peace. So I, I want you to think in terms of people, young girls, women, young men, men whose lives are being changed because you're willing to make a sacrifice like this. So Kyle, uh, nothing is cheap. And if it is, it's probably not worth doing. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. Uh, to this, you know, this entire vision for the first three years of it, uh, there's some costs associated. So talk to us about that, please. Yeah. So, so there are costs involved and it is three years, as you yeah. indicated. Uh, and so we believe we've, we've uh, totaled up the here, the near and the far component. And what we're looking at is uh, over the next three years, this vision, uh, we believe, will cost $6.5 million. How we get there? Uh, 2.35 will be for the here. That is for the Family Resource Initiative, some of the facility updates, the, the pickleball court, uh, so Trent and I can go one-on-one -on -one or whatever we're doing, you know, a little, little part of it, uh, the, the little uh, mini arboretum, uh, and then uh, also the internship. So all of that, and that, that, that covers the cost for the interns to pay them and all those things, uh, near $1.15 million. And a majority of that, Trent, that million, a million dollars we're going to set aside as an opportunity from God. I'm so excited about that. It's by faith saying, God, this million dollars is yours. You tell us where to go and where to spend it so that we can further your kingdom. That's incredible in terms of the step of faith. Uh, and then, Dale, to, to be able to um, keep up and, and help uh, give some um, training for all that was going to happen with the FAR initiative, $3 million uh, over the next three years. So that's how we get to 6.5. Yeah. And Cal, uh, we want everybody to know that we're asking you to give above and beyond your normal giving uh, to the ministry here at Wooddale Church. Um, that's really important because if we, if we rob Peter to pay Paul, so to speak, what we end up doing is we, we strangle what we, we believe God's calling us to get done, and it hurts the body. So uh, we want people to prayerfully consider Above and beyond your regular giving, what is God? What is God calling you to do? Yeah, that's right, and that's that's why when everyone uh, walked into one of our physical campuses today, uh, they received uh, some information like this. If you're joining us online, all of this information is on our Legacy of Hope webpage, which I'll give to you in just a moment. Uh, but uh, yeah, to that end, Dale, if someone is not currently contributing to the ministry fund here at Wooddale Church, start there. That, that's, that's, that's where we would ask you first. Uh, but if, if uh, you're looking for an additional 
uh, contribution, that's where these commitment cards come in. And so we're asking you to prayerfully consider between now and March 6th, making your commitment. So March 6th is Commitment Sunday. We're going to ask everyone to bring their commitment card back, and uh, we'll, we'll start to collect those then to establish the budget, uh, but to fill up this commitment card. And we would ask everyone here at Wooddale Church to at least be in prayer for the vision. So even if you don't feel God calling you to give financially, uh, please fill this card out. We want to know that you're with us, and we want to know that you're praying uh, for us, and we'll be sending you some prayer updates uh, around Legacy of Hope. And in fact, that actually uh, goes to the second thing that's in that little packet, which is a prayer guide to be praying along uh, with, um, with Legacy of Hope. The second component to this, though, is, is financial. So if you are willing or able or God's leading you to make a financial commitment, uh, to indicate that on the card. Uh, two things you can do here is uh, on this card, you'll have an opportunity to let us know if you want to give a one-time gift or maybe if you're going to give annually or if you'll be making a monthly contribution to Legacy of Hope. Um, and starting at the end of March, uh, Vision 22 will be done. And so, Dale, that fund option is going to go away. If you've signed up online, Legacy of Hope will replace that. And so you can give monthly to Legacy of Hope uh, there. And uh, what we would ask you to do is whether it's a one-time gift or reoccurring gift, just do the math for our accounting team so we can make sure we, we have it correct uh, in the total uh, financial component. So uh, Steph and I, for instance, we're going to be making a one-time gift as well as a monthly contribution over the next three years. Years. And so we'll total that up, or we did total that up for our accounting team. Uh, that way we can just verify that we have uh, the right amount. That's important for us, Dale, because uh, here at Wooddale Church, we are committed to maintaining uh, being debt-free for, for this campaign. And so we will only spend what comes in. So you letting us know what God's leading you to do in terms of the financial commitment, that's going to help the rest of our teams be able to plan and budget so that we only spend what we anticipate receiving. Right. And, um, you know, Cal, um, we have gone to our staff, we've gone to our elders, we've gone to um, our financial leaders, and we've said, you know, just like in the Old Testament, the, the leaders put their feet in the water first, right? Yeah. And then everybody followed. Um, you know, what would they be willing to do? Mm -hmm. And so as we've shared with them this vision, um, they uh, have generously uh, responded. And why don't you tell us about the response so far? Yeah, so about a hundred or so households have responded between staff and the leaders and, and some of our and our and our elders. Uh, $3.1 million yeah. is already committed to this against six and a half. Uh, that's about a million more than we had an in initial commitments for Vision 22. Right. And we're trying to raise about a million less than we right. did for Centers of Hope. So uh, we're in a great spot. We're very, very encouraged yeah. by that. Um, but we also know that we're not there yet. And so we do want everyone here at Wooddale Church to prayerfully consider what God would have you do, what have he would have us do uh, to be part of this, because it's going to take all of us coming together to say, for the sake of that next generation, mm -hmm. uh, we're committing to leaving uh, Legacy Hope. So, uh, Kyle, what are the next steps for people? Uh, well, certainly uh, be in prayer about the commitment card. Again, March 6th, Sunday, March 6th is when we're asking you to fill out the commitment card either online or to bring this back uh, in person to have that. Uh, continue to be in prayer. So I mentioned the prayer cards that uh, were included here. Uh, we're asking you to pray for a here, a near, and a far component. The cool thing about the far portion, Dale, here of, of praying is uh, we have given people a specific village that we know currently has no church, no gospel presence, and we're asking them to pray uh, for that village by name. And uh, through the, the process of, of uh, this, by, by faith in God, we believe that uh, that village will have a church, uh, which is pretty exciting. 
Uh, in addition to your prayers and consideration for the financial component, we would love your ideas. We want to hear from you. So I'll be hosting a number of Q&A sessions around our campus and online. Please attend those. Uh, come to one of them and, and, and hear some uh, questions or, or ask some questions, hear some more information about this vision, and give us your ideas. Give us your thoughts about Family Resource Initiative or other near components or what else we can be doing far. We would love to hear from you. We are doing this together as a community, together at Wooddale Church, we're stepping forward. So uh, we want you not just to give, we want you to talk with us and be involved. Uh, we want you to volunteer, to be part of the Family Resource Initiative, to, to start a micro church. We want you to step out in faith and see what God has for you by stepping into legacy yeah. of hope. I love that because uh, this is an opportunity for all of us to leave a legacy with our children, with our grandchildren, with our friends, as they see us act in faith. And we can point to different things that God does uh, locally and nearby and far away, uh, we can, you know, we can say God allowed us to be part of that. And if you, you know, if you're praying for those villages and we report to you, there's now a church, um, what an opportunity for you to say to your family, look what God has done and that he would continue to be able to do that through your lives to our children and grandchildren. Well, guys, let's uh, wrap this up and uh, let's go to the Father. All right, would you join us, please? Father, we humble ourselves before you. We are amazed, first of all, that you would save us through your Son and that you would inhabit us with your Spirit and that you would call us to continue the work of Christ, to leave that legacy for the generations to come until you return. So, Lord, speak to each heart, each mind, and let us, Lord, truly seek you during these next couple of months and arrive, Lord, at what you would have us give with your resources that you've given to us. We humble ourselves before you. We thank you for a church that's on the move for the sake of the gospel. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.